Welcome to the Office Space Podcast, where we discuss relevant topics that are affecting occupiers of office space. I'm your host, Dougal Jeppy with Colliers International. And today our guest is Ben Wright, the founder and CEO of Upsuite. Ben, welcome to the program. Dougal, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So Upsuite was founded to enable flexibility in the office market. This means helping companies find co-working and flexible spaces and helping co-working and flexible off office operators gain access to a steady stream of the most interested companies and corporate teams. Upsuite enables hundreds of new companies per month to find space and connects them to more than, to more than 25,000 available suites in 27 North American markets. They were one of the top, uh, they were one of the 10 companies globally to complete, to compete in our Collier's PropTech Accelerator powered by Techstars in 2018. I've had the pleasure of uh, working with Ben and his team on a few transactions. Um, little brief bio on Ben. Um, ben is all about people, how they work, how they collaborate, and which ingredients make for highly successful teams. Um, he was drawn to co-working in the flexible world and their role in the future of work. He is a three-time founder and has experience in scaling companies in digital marketing and commercial real estate S uh, SaaS model. He graduated from Stanford University in quantitative economics with a focus on urban studies. Um, he's married, lives in my favorite town of all, my alma mater in Boulder, Colorado. And he's got uh, three teenage daughters and two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's up sweet and that's Ben. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, Dougal. All right, cool. So... I think um, I gave a little brief overview of um, of you and your background. So maybe we just get into the Upsuite business model, if you could tell us tell us um, you know a little bit of the history on founding Upsuite and uh, the business model itself. Yeah, so it's I've been an entrepreneur since two thousand one, and and as such, I was one of those folks that had the five year lease and you know signed personally for it and you know, it, it became a, a really big investment on the companies that I was running. And, and I had this experience where I, I was like, you know, my, my staff wanted a new office and I was like, God, how can I do this better? And I, and I said, well, why don't you guys find the office work, you know, work with a professional, but find the office that really fits. And, and they actually found a co-working space. So this was four years ago and we actually signed an agreement to go into the co-working space uh, without me even seeing it. And the reason I said it was fine is number one, it was, it's for the staff. Uh, number two, it was a short-term commitment. So it didn't feel like I needed to really vet it in the same way. And it just turns out that I loved it. And so, so fast forward a couple of years later, uh, was looking for a, a, a new challenge and, and, uh, happened upon co-working as a business and, and candidly Dougal, I didn't, I didn't really know at the time that it was going to be a big business, that it was going to be growing 10 to 20% per year, year over year, uh, and that it was 3% of the office market at that time. And I didn't know any of that. So um, so essentially, that that's how I got to this uh, business. And maybe one smart thing we did is we got to know some co-working operators really well before we had a business. And and the problem they kept coming back to is, hey, we, we love what we're doing, but we just we need more members all the time. And as you know, signing shorter leases or signing no leases at all creates something called structural vacancy in, in an office building. And so that's something kind of like the hotel industry goes through. And 
And so we set out to really solve that. And, and to do that, we really had to package the industry and, and enable choice in this market. And, and that's really what Upsuite does and, and does it primarily online, but also with uh, staff that we call co-working advisors. And we've, I've used you personally to, on behalf of clients, um, you guys have just really the line on all the co-working operators. You do a great job. Um, simplifying the evaluation. I, I think you have your own, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have your own way of rating them um, in terms of quality and what have you. Um, but it's been a seamless, very easy process because as a tenant rep broker, um, it can really bog you down. There's not big fees on our side for it. And so it's been a, um, a really nice add to kind of our service line. And I feel there's a lot of value there. Absolutely. And so it, it was interesting for to, to build our platform, because if, if you think about a lot of your clients, Google and, and, and me as a consumer, when I was a consumer in that way, you think of your office space as something you, you go in and mold to whatever you want it to be. You, you have tenant improvement, you buy your own furniture, you get paint and carpet and all that stuff. Not with flexible office space, meaning you're, you're moving into a space that has already been furnished it's already been fitted out and so there wasn't an easy way to describe that or an existing way to describe it so so early days a few years ago we had to figure out you know what what is this thing that our you know that our customers really need to understand and and what we ended up calling it is is work environment you're essentially buying into a work environment that's already been created and so we needed to to rate it as you said and and start to show differences so we all know that a regis uh, is not the same as a WeWork, is not the same as a Convene, is not the same as a, um, you know, I'll use uh, a Serendipity or a Novel or whatever. They all feel different, but we had to help our joint clients really articulate what that was to help advise them to, to move to the right space. And when you got into business four years ago, Ben, was there competition for, for this technology side of it? Yeah, I mean there there are so there are companies that you I mean <laughs> a lot of it in the news is is like hey you know this is a brand new thing the, the the truth is there there are flexible office providers and serviced office providers that have been doing this since the '90s and they just call them something different they call them executive suites right or they call them things like that and so or business centers so. So as a result, there are companies like Upsuite that serve the market and have been doing it for a while. So a company called Instant Office uh, uh, is one of those that's been around the longest. Liquid Space has been around the longest. And, and that we knew about them going into it. And I think what we, we were really taking the lead from co-working operators and flexible office providers who said, you know, we, we know they exist. They're, they're not solving the problem for us. We still have more vacancy. And and we still need more help. So, uh, so yes, they're, they're, uh, I wish I could say we invented the whole space. We're just, we didn't, we're just trying to perfect it. Got it. And um, you guys, uh, what, what sort of tools do you use to study the co-working um, realm and uh, in what sort of trends are you seeing both pre COVID and post COVID? Fascinating. So the, the trends pre COVID were, it was almost if you're a co-working operator, you were you were really trying to grow and capture share and essentially kind of build a platform. So we 
we heard that from folks like Regis, IWG, and, and WeWork, and, and others. I think, you know, I wish I could say we're post-COVID. I'd say we're, COVID is, <laughs> COVID is a, is a period where, that I think is going to, is going to cause a lot of realignment among flexible office providers. And, and so the, the, the trends were early on that, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be an operator who, who operates, you know, either in partnership with a landlord or semi-autonomously from a landlord, meaning the old lease space. What's happening now is, is the folks that have partnered with landlords tend to be the, the most stable uh, in a time like this. So that's an industrious, for example, or, or convene folks like that. Um, doesn't guarantee stability, but that was a major trend. Coming out of it, I think what we're going to see is a lot of landlords getting, you know, getting into it directly themselves. So I was on a, um, this, this is being taped at the same time as CRE Tech, uh, a major uh, commercial real estate tech conference. And and Brookfield was on uh, a call yesterday where they basically said, look, we expect 10 to 15% of our global portfolio to be in flexible space and we expect to operate some of it. Um, you know, Dougal, you're f very familiar in Chicago with Tishman Spire and their studio product. That's another example of a landlord managed direct uh, flexible product. So, so I think those are some trends that we're seeing, I think. I think, my goodness, I mean, even some other trends are towards um, how can you guarantee the health of, of the space or the cleanliness of the space? How can you ensure that that um, I'm adequately uh, distanced? How can you, um, uh, you know, candidly, how can you save money, save me money right now? So we're seeing some really interesting trends around how operators are getting very creative with how to offer space and offer services very flexibly. So th those are just a few things that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. And you, you all work nationally. So are you seeing any, um, you know, differences between region to region or, or, or city to city in terms of, uh, you know, how co-working is evolving right now? We're seeing, so seeing really differences in attitudes on the occupier side. So, so I'll give you give you an example. There there are two ends of the spectrum, and and there's a lot of speculation at this point as to to what's cultural and what's market driven and what's what's even driven by COVID. But Chicago is one example where I would say it's a it's a very professional city. It's a you know it's a it's a large uh, large market, and there's really a lot of demand for um, for flexible and co working offices. In fact, Chicago is our number one market on our platform right now. Whereas our, our, you know, the first market that we were in, Denver, is a, is a really good market for co-working, but demand hasn't returned to pre-COVID levels. And I don't think that's because of COVID. I think that's because of a cultural, it's, it's a cultural difference. Meaning if you live in Colorado, you're there for the lifestyle and employers know that. So uh, there's not the same premium or not the same interest in uh, time spent at the office. So, so Denver demand uh, uh, compared to pre-COVID is about half, whereas demand um, versus pre-COVID in Chicago is actually higher uh, than it was pre-COVID. So, so it's, and that's as of today where we're, I wanna say post-COVID, we're, we're mid-COVID or somewhere inside of, of our COVID experience. 
it would be interesting to match up productivity with lifestyle markets. Well, if you call them lifestyle cities or, you know, the Chicago's, I think you described it more as like professional cities, see which one actually, uh, which group of people are more productive. Um, the lifestyle markets tend to have a, uh, kind of a moniker of um, more, more play, maybe less work sort of thing, but I don't know. It's like the European model. Uh, they work less, but um, in some cases can be just as productive. Yeah. I, I like the European model of a nap, you know, sometime in the middle of the day. I just haven't been able to pull that off. I don't know about <laughs> right. you. <laughs> right. Well, some of these co-working places have nap pods, don't they? So <laughs> yeah, I, I have true. yet to sit in, I have yet to sit in one of those. Uh, we have a, you know, we have a maternity room that can can work as a nap pod, but <laughs> it ain't in my uh, DNA right now. So, so a um, couple a couple things, Dougal, that that, that prompted. Um, we are starting to see in this kind of mid COVID time where employers are starting to, and occupiers are starting, especially if they're growing and adding staff, um, they're starting to really think hard about about the cultural impacts of, of working largely remotely. They're starting to think about how they can connect to staff and on what frequency they need to do it just simply for cultural reasons. Um, they're also starting to think about ways that they can collaborate that, that potential on things that you can't do um, or do as well over zoom. And so I'm sure you're seeing that in your practice as well, but that that's happening in cities all over uh, North America and those conversations are, are interesting from my perspective because they're, they're the reason that we go back to the office at all, right? So there's all this debate right now is, is the office dead? And, and nobody thinks that it is long-term, but this is actually enabling us to figure out why we, why we should have it in the future. And, and so th those are some of the really interesting conversations we're having with occupiers right now. So how will the landscape of operators play out in all of this? I mean, there's going to be realignment and there's going to be M&A activity. Who are going to be the winners and who are going to be the losers in your opinion? So great question. Um, IWG has raised, you know, significant funds in the, in the hundreds of millions to, uh, to either acquire or, or take over uh, other spaces. Um, They've gone. And that is that is that re in, in recently you're talking about? Yes, that is okay. that's within the last quarter. Um, okay. Um, there are independent funds in the hundred million range uh, of people trying to essentially roll up lots of different uh, co-working operators to essentially create another operator out of other operators, which is which is an interesting thing. Um, you see franchise models that uh, like Office Evolution is has, has been largely focused on they're they're almost completely franchised and they're almost completely suburban. They tend to be one of the, the folks that, that have been hit a little, a little less hard, but also are, are being more aggressive. Um, another, another operator that, that I think is, is feeling pretty good in these times is novel, which novel owns the buildings. So they're they're This is a long-term play for them. So they see this as a way to uh, buy more assets in a way that that uh, at at lower costs. So so those are those are what the winners uh, or the call them the the and I guess there's one other winner too, which is which are which is the the management agreement. It's hey, we're not going to lease space in another building. We're going to partner with the landlord and share the upside and and share the downside. 
that tends to be a, a, a strong, excuse me, a stronger position right now. Um, mm -hmm. So on the, on the downside, the, the folks that tend to be struggling are, are folks that have served kind of the, the freelancer or single seat. These are the, these are the, these are the spaces that were largely signing month to month agreements with large open areas that don't feel his, as hospitable or hospitable at all during COVID, meaning fewer private offices. Um, and they were, they're also some of the, the folks that were struggling going into or pre COVID. And so we're seeing a lot of, of struggle uh, on that side. And so, so that those are, those are, those are kind of how I would articulate the, the winners and losers um, in some cases, naming names and, and other cases, just kind of talking about the category. And no new entrance into the market. It sounds like it's more kind of uh, companies being morphed into or taken over sort of thing. You know, there, there are, there are new entrants all the time. I think it's, it's, this is going to be a, a definite pause time and a realignment time. Um, uh, I think I do think the operators that have been at it for a while are, are being opportunistic. They've seen this before. And I'm speaking about somebody like IWG when I say that. Uh, I think this is their fourth or fifth recession um, that they've been through. And I think they've learned a few things over the years. Uh, uh, they've learned a few things, which is good. Yeah. Well, I had a client uh, yesterday talk to me about... Um you know, from her perspective, we basically took, you know, the next five to 10 years of working from home and condensed it into a six month period to really experiment with it and um, still evolving people trying to figure it out. So um, from your perspective, uh, where does, you know, the work from home component fit into the future? So this one is, is really interesting because I think and, and you probably follow this. It was, it was something like three or four years ago where, where a lot of the Silicon Valley companies were actually calling workers back from, from working remote. So one of those is, is Melissa Mayer at Yahoo, right? They, she kind of most notably said, hey, everybody's coming back. I, I tend to look at some of the big pronouncements about, you know, for example, that Twitter made or Google made and... Uh, that that employees can work from home either until July of 2021 or or indefinitely. I I look at that as a cyclical, really as a cyclical thing. Um, I also you know there are a number of people who have studied work from home for for decades, and we actually posted um, some research done by a Stanford economist that that basically said work from work from home pre COVID was about four percent of the workforce in North America. And that's 4% of the workforce who um, worked more than half of their time from home. Um, and the expectation is by 2021, that will be 20%, but not that it will be 80% or 90% or 95% like it is now. And so, so I think I, I really see this as a, as a great way for, for companies to evaluate how uh, they want to come together where they want to come together um, uh, and and choose the best of it. And I, I also see the co-working and flexible office industry being really innovative and landlords too, being really innovative about pursuing what the right solution is. Yeah. Well, Ben, I appreciate all that. And um, I wish uh, you and Upsuite, um, you know, a bright future. 
and I know I'll be uh, continuing to utilizing your services uh, moving forward. So it's a it's a great tool for uh, for us to have, and um, I hope uh, Bubba and Moose are doing okay <laughs> in the uh, on the trails of Boulder. Well, if your son and you come out and visit Boulder, you could meet them, and we'll we'll have a socially distanced beverage and and uh, <laughs> and all of that. But really appreciate it, Dougal, and and great to great to be on. Thanks, Ben. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye.